Good morning, church family. Pray that you are all well. As we will once again be in Acts chapter 5 this morning, and we will be looking specifically today at verses 12 through 16, or at a text about many signs and wonders being done. And it's a text that comes to us this morning as a summary statement of sorts of the early church at this time in the book of Acts, or as a summary statement of sorts following the death and burial of Ananias and Sapphira. Brother Titus, would you mind bringing me down just a little bit for their sake? (laughs) Ananias and Sapphira, who as we saw last week, similar to a man by the name of Joseph, or similar to a man who the apostles called Barnabas, sold a piece of property. However, as the New Living Translation puts it, he, Ananias, brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming that it was the full amount, and with his wife's consent, he kept back the rest. In essence, you have a scene here, church, where Ananias was apparently being deceitful and dishonest and pretending here to bring all of the proceeds from the sale of the property to the apostles, when the reality was he only brought part of the proceeds to the apostles and kept back some for himself. To which the apostle Peter then said to Ananias in verse 3, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? And that the apostle Peter, under the direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit, for he knew here, church, that Satan had filled Ananias's heart and caused him to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for himself part of the proceeds of the land, even though Ananias evidently pretended or claimed, as previously mentioned, to give all the proceeds of the land to the apostles, which make no mistake about it, he, Ananias, did not have to do i.e., he did not have to sell the land or give all the proceeds to the apostles. Since, as the apostle Peter made clear to Ananias in verse 4, for while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after you sold it, was it not at your disposal? To which the apostle Peter eventually then said to Ananias in verse 5, you have not lied to man, but to God. Only for Ananias then, when he heard these words, to fall down and breathe his last, and great fear then, church, came upon all who heard it. However, it wasn't only Ananias who was in on the deception. But as we go on to see, for it was also his wife, Sapphira, here as well, who later on, as the text goes on to explain, came in not knowing what had happened. Only for the apostle Peter to say to her in verse 8, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. To which Sapphira then said back to Peter in verse 8, Yes, for so much. And that Sapphira was also lying and pretending here that the partial amount that was given to the apostles, that that was the total amount from the sale of the property. To which the apostle Peter then said to Sapphira, For how is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. 
And immediately then, church, she fell down at his feet, breathed her last, and was buried beside her husband. And verse 11, great fear then came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. And thus in light of that, for Dr. Luke gives us then a summary statement of sorts, as we will see in our text today, again about what was taking place at this time within the early church which, believe it or not, for what was taking place at this time within the early church following the deaths of Ananias and Sapphira here, for it might not be exactly what you'd expect. Which takes us now to our thesis statement this morning, church, or to the main theme of our message this morning, which is this. God can call sinners to himself and save them from their sins, no matter the situation that they may find themselves in here on earth. Again, our thesis statement this morning, church, is this. God can call sinners to himself and save them from their sins, no matter the situation that they find themselves in here on earth. And thus at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up this morning to Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. And if you are joining us today and do not have or do not own a Bible, then please feel free to grab and even to keep one of our church Bibles, which are all located in the chairs in front of you, and to open that Bible up at this time to page 913 and to join us as we as a church family hear the Word of God together this morning. For again, we will be in Acts chapter 5 this morning, church. And we will be looking at verses 12 through 16, where Dr. Luke, the author of the book of Acts, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least a shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together this morning as brothers and sisters in Christ here corporately at Faith Bible Fellowship Church. Lord, we know we have many brothers and sisters in Christ missing this morning due to illness, due to the snow. Lord, I pray for E.C. and the Holmes family as they are in Lancaster right now, and E.C. is about to preach your word as well. Lord, we pray for all of the individuals who aren't here this morning. Strengthen them, heal them, and we look forward to seeing them soon. But Father, for us here this morning... Father, I pray that you open our eyes, you open our ears, and you soften our hearts to receive your word this morning. 
Father, that we be in all of the actions of the early church, that we be in all of the influence of Peter and the apostles here, Father, and we seek to consider what exactly is our influence on those around us. For is our influence one that points them to Jesus Christ, or is our influence one that looks just like the world? Father, I pray this morning that you help my lisping and my stammering tongue as I try to communicate your perfect and infallible and inerrant and inspired word to these dear ones. Father, let me do this not in my strength this morning, but let me do it in your strength, Father. Father, I pray that I decrease this morning and that through the preaching of your word that your son may increase. Father, none of us seek the glory this morning. We seek to give the glory to you and only to you. So, Father, do this wonderful work, I pray, amongst the congregation here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church today. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this, point number one. The gospel continued to be preached, and multitudes of people came to faith in Jesus Christ. The gospel continued to be preached, and multitudes of people came to faith in Jesus Christ. Verses 12 through 14. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. And none of the rest dared to join them. But the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So as we open in verse 12, again, Dr. Luke is in essence giving us here another summary statement of sorts of what was taking place within the early church at this time. Similar to what he did in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and in Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. And Dr. Luke, he begins his summary statement here in Acts chapter 5, verse 12, by saying, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. Signs and wonders seemingly referring here to miraculous healings and exorcisms, which were being done regularly among the people, verse 12, by the hands of the apostles, which seemingly is displaying here in essence how the Lord was indeed answering the prayers of the early church from Acts chapter 4, verses 29 and 30, where they prayed, if you can remember now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And yet, not only were signs and wonders being regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, but as we go on to see in verse 12, and they were all gathered together in Solomon's portico. Solomon's portico being the location where the apostle Peter preached or addressed the people after healing the lame man back in Acts chapter 3, verse 11 and which was also located, church, mind you, in the outer court of the temple, or in the court of the Gentiles. 
And it was at Solomon's portico where believers then, verse 12, would gather together and seemingly pray together, worship together, and listen to teaching together. However, while they were meeting together in Solomon's portico, verse 13, none of the rest dared to join them. Or as the NASB puts it, none of the rest dared to associate with them. The none of the rest seemingly referring here to unbelieving Jews or to individuals who were not part of the early church at this time, and yet who still, verse 13, held them in high esteem. And that's as Eckerd Schnebel describes it. For the great fear that was triggered by the sudden deaths of Ananias and Sapphira, for it kept the rest of them, or these unbelieving Jews here, away from joining the believers who were meeting in the temple and that these curious people were hesitant to approach the congregation and therefore kept themselves at a safe distance. And yet at the same time, they also spoke highly or had great esteem for these believers as well, since fear and awe and the expression of a favorable opinion, for they are not mutually exclusive, but often are connected. And yet despite the fact that there were unbelieving Jews who were, verse 13, not daring to join them or to associate with them at this time. For as we go on to see in verse 14, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Or as the NIV puts it, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And that despite the fact that there were individuals who wouldn't dare join them, the believers at this time, or associate with them, the believers at this time, again, seemingly due to the fear caused by the deaths of Ananias and Sapphira, for you still had here, church, more and more men and women believing in the Lord and who were being added to their number. And we're not just talking about only a few people believing in the Lord nor just 10 people believing in the Lord, or 20 people believing in the Lord, or 30, or 40, or 50, or 60 people here believing in the Lord, but instead we are talking about multitudes of both men and women, or large crowds of both men and women, or large numbers of both men and women, aka hundreds, maybe even thousands of people here, church, who were believing in the Lord and who were being added to their number here. And yet a scholar, David Peterson, put it, for the brevity of this account, for it should not be taken to mean that people believed simply because of signs and wonders. Since throughout the book of Acts, signs and wonders authenticate the word of missionary preaching as the word of God. For it is the word that saves as people come to believe and to put their trust in God as its source and in Christ as its content. And thus, in light of that, church, that it's the word that saves, as people come to believe and put their trust in God as its source and in Christ as its content, for let me lovingly then remind you all here this morning that this unbelieving world then that they do not need you then, Christian, telling them only what they want to hear. 
Nor do they need you then, Christian, reaffirming to them only what this sinful world wants them to hear. Nor do they need you then, Christian, saying to them that God will never punish them, or that his wrath is all made up, or that hell isn't really real, that judgment will never come, and that they can all then just do whatever they want, believe whatever they want, and live however they want, since everyone will ultimately, in the end, just be saved. But instead, what this unbelieving world actually needs to hear from you, Christian, is the truth, i.e. the bold articulation of the gospel of God as revealed to us in the very word of God, since there is only one message out there today that has the power to save, and that message is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God for salvation, church, to everyone who believes, Roman 1, 16. And thus, in light of that, for with great consistency, then, Christian, seek to share, to articulate, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to this fallen world around you, since people come to faith in Jesus Christ when the gospel of Jesus Christ, as revealed to us in the very word of God, is faithfully proclaimed, and the Holy Spirit ultimately then, as our BFC Articles of Faith so profoundly puts it, regenerates them by his grace, enabling them, church, to embrace Jesus Christ by faith. Which brings us to point number two. The apostles were willing to heal and to minister to those who were sick and who were even possessed by evil spirits. Again, point number two. The apostles were willing to heal and to minister to those who were sick and who were even possessed by evil spirits. Verses 15 and 16. So that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So not only was the early church growing at this time, As believers were being added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, but also as we go on to see in verse 15, so that, or as the NASB puts it, to such an extent that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. The they here, church, in verse 15, seemingly referring to the general public, or to the general population of Jerusalem at this time. Again, who were, verse 15, carrying out their sick into the streets and laying them on cots and mats. So that, verse 15, as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. And yet, as Dennis Johnson explains it, for although looking to Peter's shadow as a means of healing does sound superstitious, For it differs little from the hopes of those who tried to touch Jesus Christ in Luke 6.19, where power came out from him and he healed them all. For when the woman with the discharge of blood reached out to the hem of Jesus' robe in Mark chapter 5, for he welcomed her and blessed her faith even 
and its confused expression. And he said to her in verse 34, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Since it's faith in Jesus' name that is the key to healing of body and soul here. To which, as we see then in verse 16, that people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. And that you not only had people from Jerusalem here, church, in verse 15, carrying their sick into the streets and laying them on cots and mats, looking to Peter's shadow, as just mentioned, as a means of healing, but you also had here, church, in verse 16, people gathering from the towns around Jerusalem or from the villages around Jerusalem or from the cities surrounding Jerusalem. Verse 16, bringing their sick and those who were afflicted with unclean spirits or those who were possessed by evil spirits. Evidently to the apostles here in order for them to be healed by the apostles here. And these individuals who were sick and who were possessed by evil spirits, as we go on to see in the text, for they weren't simply ignored here, church, or rejected here, church, or passed over, disregarded, pushed aside, or even given a cold cold shoulder here, church. But instead, these individuals who were sick and who were possessed by evil spirits, for as we see then in verse 16, for they were all healed here, church, to which, as Dennis Johnson again puts it, for the saving power of God encompassed afflictions, which were spiritual as well as physical, for not only the sick, but also those afflicted with unclean spirits were set free. And thus, just as Jesus' fame spread beyond Israel's borders, so now Jesus' power to heal through the apostles has attracted crowds from beyond Jerusalem as well. And although the second wave of witness into Judea and into Samaria has not yet broken, for God's kingdom was now spilling over the walls of Jerusalem. And thus as Christ representatives before a watching world. For we as Christians then should seek to emulate our Lord's gracious welcome to anyone and everyone who needs his healing touch. Or as another commentator put it, for as we have opportunity to minister to the poor and to the hurting, to the enslaved and to the sick in our community, for we must take them. For by doing so, we not only enrich the poor in spirit, but we also reflect the love of Jesus Christ, and we glorify our merciful Father in heaven. And thus we must be committed then to reaching everyone with the gospel message. And thus, if any of you then here this morning are puzzled at all, or confused at all, or bamboozled, baffled, perplexed, or befuddled at all about who exactly you should be seeking to minister to and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with, for let me offer you all then this. For it does not matter, church, if a person is part of Gen Z and has purple hair, or if they are a baby boomer and have no hair. Because if they do not know Jesus Christ, then you should seek to minister to them and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Nor does it matter, church, 
If a person is healthy or sick, in a good condition or disabled, physically fit or has a terminal illness, because if they do not know Jesus Christ, then you should seek to minister to them and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Nor even does it matter, church, if a person is red, brown, yellow, black, or white, rich or poor, young or old, Republican or Democrat, drives a Tesla or drives a Dodge, owns a big house or is homeless, because the fact of the matter is, for if they do not know Jesus Christ, then you should seek to minister to them and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Since the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all different types of people, church, throughout this entire world, different types of people who are God chosen Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world and predestined for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, Ephesians 1, verses 4 and 5. And here's the thing, church, for it's not your job then to try to figure out who the elect are or who our God will ultimately save. Nor is it your job to decide who deserve to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the way they look the way they act, the way they vote, or because they meet a certain criteria of yours. But instead, it should be your absolute joy, brother Christian, sister Christian, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ indiscriminately with everyone, no matter their background, economic status, voting patterns, or race, all while completely resting in the fact that all who the Father has given to Jesus Christ, for they will come to Jesus Christ. And whoever comes to Jesus Christ, for he will never reject them, nor will he cast them out. John 6, 37. And thus, as we begin to close this morning, church, for I'd like to do so with the non-Christian who was here first. Because if you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ at this time, no matter what your background is, non-Christian, for you are still dead in your sins You need to be saved from your sins or you will ultimately be condemned for your sins. And thus today needs to be the day then, non-Christian, that you repent of your sin and you place your faith in Jesus Christ, in the one who came into this world as truly God and as truly man, to live and to dwell amongst us and to save sinners, sinners like you and like me, non-Christian, from our very sins, which he did by initially living a life here on earth, non-Christian, that was free from any kind of sin. And that the life that Jesus Christ lived while he lived and dwelt among us was a life that was holy and righteous and just and good, thus completely fulfilling then, non-Christian, the law of God for the very children of God. However, fulfilling the law of God for the very children of God. For that was not all that this sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, accomplished while he lived and dwelt among us. And I say that because he, Jesus Christ, also then gave his life up as a ransom for many. By taking the children of God's sins upon himself and by willingly then being crucified and killed on a cross at Calvary in their place and as their very substitute as the propitiation or as the wrath-appeasing sacrifice for their very sins, which not only satisfied then the justice of our holy God, 
but also appeased and non-Christian, the wrath of our holy God toward his sinful children as well. And thus because of all that, three days later then, this sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, the one who came into this world to seek and to save the lost, to save sinners from their very sins for three days later than Jesus Christ, for he didn't stay dead or buried in some grave, but instead three days later, he, Jesus Christ, for he rose from the grave. And he defeated sin and destroyed eternal death once and for all and now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin. For let today be the day that you repent of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price for your sin, who died for your sin, and can clothe you then in his righteousness, in his perfect life, and reconcile you back to God forever. For let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sin and you place your faith in Jesus Christ, and today will be the day that you will be forgiven of your sin and given the gift, non-Christian, of eternal life. And to the Christian who is here today, for as we close this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, so far in our text today, for we have seen in verse 12 that many signs and wonders were being regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And in verse 15, that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. And I think it's fair to say then, that the apostles of Jesus Christ, that they had quite the influence then on those around them at this time, church. And thus, in light of this theme of one's influence, particularly that of Peter's here, pastor and theologian H.A. Ironside, for he wrote this, For what then is your influence? For are you so walking with God that people like to come into contact with you? Or is there so little of Christ about you? Or are you so self-centered and worldly that no one would think of bringing people within your influence to be blessed or helped by you? For For I have often told how my oldest son at one time had an eclipse of faith until one day, several of us were invited to spend an afternoon with a politician by the name of Williams Jennings Bryan at his Florida home. And I was asked to bring my son. And during that visit, for two or three hours, we discussed the Word of God together and exchanged our thoughts on precious portions of Scripture together. And my son sat apart from us and said very little, But as we left that place, he turned to me and said, Father, I have been a fool, for I thought I couldn't believe the Bible. But if a man like that, with his education and intelligence, can believe it, for I am making a fool of myself to pretend that I cannot accept it. And thus, as people come into contact with us, even if we do not utter a word, 
For is there something about us that makes them say, the more I see that person, the more I want to know God? And what a convicting and wonderful concept for us as Christians to consider this morning. For what truly is our influence on those around us? And thus, let me ask you then this morning, Christian, this. For is your influence on others a Christ-like influence, whereby you are consistently loving your neighbors as yourself and doing good to everyone and being holy as your God is holy and letting no corrupting talk come out of your mouth and loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you and walking with wisdom toward outsiders and properly before outsiders? Or is your influence on those around you, Christian, worldly? Because instead of seeking to consistently look like, act like, and follow the ways of Jesus Christ, you instead look like, act like, and simply follow the ways of the world. Jesus Christ, in his Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, for he said this, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And in light of that, one commentator, for he shared this, that Robert Murray McShane, the godly Scottish minister from the 19th century, that it was said about him that his face carried such a hallowed expression that people were known to just fall on their knees and accept Jesus Christ as Savior when they looked at him whereas others were so attracted by the self-giving beauty and holiness of his life that they simply found his master Jesus to be irresistible. Whereas the French pietist, Francois Fenelon, whose communion with God was such that apparently his face shined with divine radiance, and a religious skeptic who once was compelled to to spend a night with him in an inn, hurried quickly away the next morning, saying, if I spend another night with that man, I'll become a Christian in spite of myself. For that is the kind of salt and light that God wants his kingdom people to be. And thus my encouragement to you all then this morning, church, is this. For do not let your influence on your friends be the exact same influence that they could receive from the world nor to let your influence on your family be the exact same influence that they could receive from unredeemed men, nor to even let your influence on those who you work with, interact with, go to the gym with, and see on a regular basis be the exact same influence that they could receive each and every day from the darkness that is consistently all around them. But instead, seek to let your influence on your friends and on your family members, Christian, and on those who you work with, 
speak with, interact with, and even go to the gym with, for let it be one that points them to Jesus Christ and that showcases to them the loveliness of Jesus Christ, reflects to them the teachings of Jesus Christ, bears witness to them the truth of Jesus Christ, and that seeks to share consistently with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Since this world's greatest need, Christian, is Jesus Christ, not more sin or works of the darkness. Thus, it is my prayer that we as a church body that we seek to influence this world with gospel, grace, and truth. Therefore, give us the boldness we need, Father, to not only live out the gospel of Jesus Christ before others, but also to be willing then to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with this world as well. And thus help us, Father, to not discriminate against anyone with that message, but to instead be willing to share it with anyone and everyone, no matter their background, race, ethnicity, or how much money they make. Since you, God, have the power to call sinners to yourself, no matter the time, place, or situation that they may find themselves in here on earth. Therefore, give us the grace we need, Father, to faithfully walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, even in the midst of this fallen world around us, to sow gospel seed in every direction of our lives, and to rest in the fact that you, God, that you will absolutely save all whom you have chosen to save, and that no one ever will be able to snatch them, not one of them, out of your hand. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray as I feel conviction this morning for the worldly ways I communicate with those around me, family and friends, individuals at my son's soccer games, individuals that we see at my children's school. Father, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for walking in the ways of this world when I have been called to be salt and light. And Father, if anyone else feels the same burden and conviction this morning, Lord, I pray that they repent of their sin as well. And Father, give us the grace we need, the gospel grace we need, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called to bring light into the darkness, to be individuals who preserve morality as according to your word, Father, to keep this world from decaying and bringing Jesus Christ into it more and more and more as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. Father, it is the only message that saves. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Let us be faithful to bring that light into the world and keep us from discriminating against who we think should hear it. For we are not to play God. We are not to figure out who the elect are, for we are to throw gospel seed in every direction and to trust, Father, that you will save your children from their sins. Father, help us to be faithful this week and forevermore to walk in light, to be salt and light to this fallen and broken world and to shine the gospel of Jesus Christ for all to see. 
Give us the grace we need to do this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.